Hello, Summit Church family. Welcome to our Sunday, May 3rd service. I hope you all are doing well. Uh, Pastor Diane and I are doing well. Um, And uh, I just want to tell you that I miss you all, and I am ready, more than ready, to get back to having services at our church building. I'm so looking forward to that and looking forward to seeing you all again very, very soon. Uh, It looks like St. Louis County will be lifting the social distancing uh, fairly soon, from what I understand. And so hopefully in the next couple of weeks, we'll be able to get back to having services at our building. Uh, We'll, of course, keep you updated uh, on that, you know, um, through emails, texts, and so on and so forth. But uh, we're looking forward to getting back to our church building I want you to know, though, that when we get back there, we will be following, you know, the appropriate uh, safety guidelines. And so so it'll be it'll be good and it'll be good to get back together as a church family uh, in person. Hey, today being our Sunday service, let's go ahead and receive the tithes and the offerings. Uh, Of course, the information for that is located somewhere right around where my picture is. Uh, We have online giving a text to give. And of course, uh, if you want to give by a check, we have a PO box. And again, that information should be somewhere right around where my picture is. And then uh, also you can always go to summitchurch.us. That's our website. And the information is there as well. Don't forget that today is Mission Sunday. And so uh, please remember your commitments, you know, to our mission, our wonderful missionaries. Okay. So, so let's pray. Father, Thank you for your goodness and mercy. And sir, I ask you that you bless the people as they give. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let's get into our uh, message for today. Of course, I'm continuing a series that I began last week titled, Is It God or Is It the Devil? Is it God or Is It the Devil? You know, like, for example, this coronavirus. You know, some people say it's the judgment of God. Some people say, well, it's an attack of the devil. And some people just don't have a clue either way. And so that's what this series is all about, to try to help you to be able to uh, to sort all of that out. Now, of course, uh, as I said last week, and I would recommend that if you missed last week's message, to please go back and, and listen to that. It'll help you better follow along and understand fully what we're talking about here today. But of course, what we're doing is we're concentrating uh, primarily in this series on the judgment of God. Now, of course, you know, I said it last week, want to say it again, God is a good God. He's a merciful God. He's a gracious God, okay? And, and we emphasize that at Summit Church. We really, really do. But there is a severe side to God also, or a judgmental side to God. Now, I didn't say there was an evil side to God. There is a not, there's not an evil side to God. But there is a, a, a severe or a judgmental side to God, and we need to be aware of that, just like we're certainly aware of his goodness. And you know, if something is not the judgment of God, then you can conclude, well, it's, it's, it's more than likely an attack of the devil, or it's just a result of living in this fallen world, okay? Uh, but anyway, uh, that's what this series is all about, to try to help you understand the judgment of the Lord, okay? Um, now, in Jeremiah 8, verse 7, I brought this out last week, but I want to review it here. The last part of that verse says, 
Uh, my people do not know the judgment of the Lord. Now, now God said that through Jeremiah, his prophet. He said, my people, my people, his people do not know the judgment of the Lord. And see, if you're, if you're unlearned concerning how God operates in judgment, his MO or his method of operation in judgment, if you, if you don't know God's method of operation in judgment, then when things happen, you know, in the world or in your life or whatever, like the coronavirus or whatever the case, if, if you don't know the judgment of the Lord, you know, you, you may be thinking something is his judgment and, and it isn't, you know, or, uh, you know, uh, something could be happening and, and, you know, you could say, well, uh, that's a judgment of God, but it really isn't, or that's an attack of the devil, or, or it really isn't. So if you're unlearned concerning the judgment of the Lord, then you're at a disadvantage. Uh, uh, and I don't want you to be at a disadvantage, okay? So that's what I'm. Te- that's why I'm teaching this series, so that, that we can understand God's method of operation in judgment, okay? Now, with that being said, I wanted uh, I want to look at John chapter ten verse ten again because, uh, like I said last week, this is a great general rule or a good rule of thumb to use in trying to determine if something is uh, uh, the judgment of God or an attack of the devil. And and the Lord Jesus said this. He said, "The thief, now that's the devil, does not come except to steal, kill, and to destroy." But I have come, Jesus said he came, that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly, okay? So a good rule of thumb to use, okay, is if something is stealing, killing, or destroying, you, you can pretty well conclude that's an attack of the devil. If something is giving life and and giving it more abundantly, and then God's behind that, okay? And uh, that's just a good rule of thumb to use. If, if something's stealing, killing, destroying, our Lord Jesus said it right here in John 10, 10. If something's stealing, killing, destroying, then the devil's behind it. If, if it gives life and it's a good thing, you know, God's behind it, okay? And, and, and uh, that's just a good rule of thumb to use, okay? So, so remember that. And that'll get you a long way down the road. All right. Now, also last week, I brought out to you God's method of operation in judgment. Now, when God does judge, he has a method that he he, he typically uses. Okay. And, and, and this is good to know. This will help you. When God judges, here's, here's his method. Okay. First, he gives warning long before, long before his judgment comes. So God doesn't just come in there and whap somebody. You know, he warns them ahead of time, okay? And then he typically informs what the judgment will be. And then he gives ample time to repent. Upon repentance, judgment stops. But if there is no repentance and time runs out, then, of course, God has no other choice but then to bring judgment, okay? So that's his method of operation. And uh, we looked at that last week, but it's good to review. Now, what I want to do today is I want to center in here for a while on looking at how God judges his people. 
how God judges his people. Now, we'll look at how he judges sinners later in this series, okay? And we'll have some interesting examples of that later on. But for today, I want to at least begin with this. May take us a couple of sessions to get through it. But I want to look at uh, how, how God judges his people. His people, okay, people who are believers, those who trust in the Lord Jesus, how how God deals with with you and I, okay, who are who are believers in Christ, all right. And in Hebrews chapter ten verse thirty says this. It says the the last part of that verse says the Lord will judge His people. Now we need to realize that and a lot of people don't don't want to talk about these things, but you know it is good to talk about because I've noticed this that. When the judgment of the Lord is never talked about and it's never mentioned and, and, and we're just always, all the time talking about his goodness, and it's a good thing to talk about his goodness. And I talk about his goodness most of the time. But if you don't ever talk about his judgment, it leads to looseness and lackadaisicalness. And, uh, and, and so it, it's important that we realize that though God is a good God, that he will judge his people. And, and you really see his goodness in his judgment, and we'll see that as we go. But the Lord will judge his people. Now, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 17 and 18, in the New Living Translation, I usually use the New King James, but New Living Translation says this, for the time has come for judgment, and it must begin at God's household. So you see another verse that says God will judge his people, and, and it, it, it begins at his household. So that's why I'm covering this first, this aspect of God's, God judging his people, because his judgment begins at the house of God. And then it goes on to say, and if judgment begins with us, believers, Christians, what terrible fate awaits those who have never obeyed God's good news, the gospel. My, my, my. And, and, and it goes on to say, if the righteous are barely saved, what will happen to godless sinners? And, and like I said just a moment ago, we'll talk more about how God judges you know, sinners later on in this series. But, but for now, how does God judge his people? So let's begin, begin with that. And, and, and let me say this. God's first step Okay, God's first step in judging his people is what is called chastening, chastening, okay? And look, if you would, at 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, notice verse 31. Now, we've already alluded to verse 31, but I want to read it again. It says this, if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. So see, that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to, to judge ourselves, examine ourselves, okay, and and make the correct necessary corrections. You know, uh, you know, as we read His Word, we see where we're missing it in certain areas, and 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 we 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 make those corrections ourselves, and we judge ourselves. So then He doesn't have to do it. He God takes no pleasure in in judging people, and you know, but. But he wants us to judge ourselves. But now if we, if we won't judge ourselves, then, then in the process of time, he'll step in. And notice verse 32. But when we are judged, 
Now, now listen to this. When, when God does judge us, we are chastened by the Lord. Now, why? That we may not be condemned with the world. So what is God's first step in judging his people? It's known as chastening. And, and you see God's goodness in chastening so that we won't be condemned with the world. So that, that's a good thing. God's judgment, it, it's when God judges us, you know, it, it's really far more of a positive thing than, than people think because he has our good, he has our well-being in mind, okay? Now, you say chastening. You say, well, really, Pastor Terry, you say, what is, what is chastening? Well, uh, let's go to Hebrews, the 12th chapter, and let's take a look at what is chastening. What is the chastening of the Lord? Because the Bible just said, when we are judged, if, if we won't judge ourselves, then God will eventually step in and judge us. And when he does, he does so by what is known as chastening, okay? Now, so what is it? Well, Hebrews chapter 12, verse five. Let me just read here. It says, and you have forgotten the exhortation which, which speaks to you as to sons. Now, God's speaking here, and he says, my son, okay, or my daughter, you know, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. So uh, this word chastening, uh, here's what it means. It means correction and discipline, correction and discipline, okay? And that's what the word chastening means. It means uh, uh, correction and discipline. So when God chastens us, he does so by correcting us and disciplining us, okay? And here the Bible says that we shouldn't despise it. You know, a, a lot of people despise the chastening of the Lord. And, 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 and frankly, I, I don't think anybody really enjoys, including myself, being corrected or disciplined. But, you know, when God does it, it, it's with our well-being in mind. So he says, don't despise the chastening of the Lord or be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. Did you know God will rebuke you at times? <laughs> he really will. And this word rebuke, is you, it just means to be reproved or to be corrected. So don't be discouraged when God corrects you. Okay. And then verse six. Now listen to this. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens. Now, now think about that. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens, or he corrects or disciplines, and scourges every son whom he receives. Now, that word scourge, now right away you think, you know, God's going to tie you to a whipping post and beat the tar out of you. But that, that's, not what that, that's not what that means, okay? You read into that and study that word scourge. It means to discipline. Okay, so let's read this again. For whom the Lord loves, he, he chastens, he corrects and disciplines and, and scourges or disciplines, corrects every son or daughter whom he receives. So you see, chastening is a, it, 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 it's, it, it, it's not as negative as you might think. Even though you may not enjoy it when it's happening, you know, again, God has our, our uh, well-being at mind. Now, verse seven. So if you endure chastening, again, correction or discipline, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom the father does not chasten? Now think about that. But if you, now listen to this. 
But if you are without chastening, so if God's never correcting you, if he's never disciplining you, listen to this, says if you're without chastening, of which all have become partakers, all of God's children becomes partakers. It says, if you are without that, then you are illegitimate and not even children of God. Think about that. Think about that. You know, if God's never dealing with you, if he's never correcting you, if he's never rebuking you or these sorts of things, you know, then it says you're illegitimate, not even, you don't even belong to the Lord. So, so think about that. And then verse 9, furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to, you know, to the heavenly Father, to the Father of spirits? He's the, he's, that's talking about God, and live. For indeed, for a few days, you know, earthly fathers disciplined us as it seemed best or chastened us as it seemed best to them. But God does it for our profit. You know, you may have been disciplined by your your mom or your dad over the years and they being human, you know, I I trust that they always had your best interest in mind. And, you know, maybe somewhere along the way, a father might have been too hard on his children or a mother too hard on the children or whatnot. But what this is saying here is, is this, you know, typically when parents discipline their children, the parents have the children's best interest in mind. But we know this for sure. When God disciplines us, he always has our best interest in mind. So it says, for they indeed, natural parents, chase, uh, for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them. But God does it for our profit. Why? That we might be partakers of his holiness. Think about that. See, when he chastens us, corrects us, even rebukes us at times, it's it's so that we could be partakers of his holiness. Now look at verse 11. Now, no chastening or no discipline seems to be joyful uh, uh, for the present. And I can say amen to that. I said it a moment ago. I'll say it again. No, I don't think anybody that I've ever met likes to be disciplined or corrected, okay? So it's not joyful. It's not pleasant when it's going on, when God's chastening us but rather painful, the Bible says, painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So see, it, it brings, if we'll, if we'll endure the chastening of the Lord and, and listen to what he has to say and, 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 and so on and so forth, we'll become partakers of his holiness and it will, it will yield good and right living in our life. And and that's a good thing, you see. And you see, when God chastens us, remember this, God's motive, whenever he chastens his children, whenever he, he, he's doing this, you see, he, he's looking for us to repent. That's part of his MO. The reason that he steps in and begins chastening and you know, his judgment, you know, it, it says when we're judged, we're chastened by the Lord. See, when he does, when he does this, his goal is to get us to repent. See, and then once we repent and straighten up and act the way we're supposed to, then, then he stops the chastening, okay? Now, here's the question that comes up, okay? 
All right, so you say, Pastor Terry, you've been talking about the chastening of the Lord. We've read about it from the book of Hebrews. But then you say, well, well, more specifically, you know, how does God chasten us? How does he correct us? How does he discipline us? How does he rebuke us, okay, as, as his children? And I want to tell you this. God, you know, a lot of people think that he just zaps people with with sickness, okay, and or disease or some calamity. But that's not that's not how how I see it in 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 the Word of God, okay. No more than a natural, a good natural parent would put sickness and disease on their children to try to teach them something, okay. Now, you know, no good parent would, would would do that, okay? But as you study into this chastening of the Lord, what what you see here is when when we miss it, when we sin, here's how it here's 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 how it works. Really, before the Lord even ever really directly steps in, because we're born again, because the Holy Spirit is on the inside of us. What happens is if you're truly saved, you miss it in some area. Uh, and the Apostle John wrote about this in, 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 I believe it was 1 John. He talked about our hearts condemning us. When a person misses it, uh, you know, I, I, when I say a person, I mean a Christian misses it because the Holy Spirit's on the inside of us. There's going to be that, what I call that, ugh. You know what I mean by that? Just, you know, you 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 know when you missed it. You know when you did something you didn't do. Why? How do you know that? You right the Holy Spirit right on the inside that He's in your spirit. He and it's that ah oh, ah. Oh, you know what I'm talking about. And what what is that? That's our heart condemning us, so to speak. When I, that word condemn, convict might be a better word. Uh, it, it's it's that 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 inward knowing that, that you messed up, okay? And and you see, right there, right at that point, we ought to judge ourselves. And then God wouldn't have to start the chastening process, okay? But if we don't listen to our hearts and we move past that, then God will start chastening. And, you know, as I see it, you know, he's not going to put sickness and disease or calamity. He's not going to tie us to the whipping post, <laughs> beat the tar out of us. Here's what he does. He chastens with his word, with his word, okay? His word will come up on the inside of you, okay? Along with that, uh, you know, which we just talked about, but his word, he'll use his word. The Holy Spirit will begin to deal with you. The Holy Spirit will begin to deal with you, okay? And, and then here's, here's something that you need to be aware of that God uses his ministers to chasten you, okay? That's why you need to be hooked in to a good uh, uh, church where God uh, assigned you to go, okay? And as you sit there week in, week out, week in, week out, and and listen to the messages that the pastor's preaching, uh, God will use your pastor, you know, certainly at times as needed to, to just as he's up there teaching, you know, 
uh, you know, God will 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 move through those messages and bring bring chastening to you or our correction to you, and you need to know that. Okay, uh, let me just kind of be a little bold here and say this: If you sat in a church for any length of time, okay, you've gone to a church for any length of time, and 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 the pastor has never, we'll say it this way, ever taken the word of God and stepped on your toes. I have to question whether uh, you're where you ought to be or not, whether or not you're in the right church. And I have to go a little further and say, I have to question whether or not uh, that preacher is really sent from the presence of God. If you have preachers that are always telling you rosy things all the time. They're always telling you everything you want to hear all the time. Now, I preach rosy things. I, I do that. I emphasize the goodness of God, but I don't do it all the time. There are times that you have to, as a pastor, have to preach messages that, you know, you'd rather not preach, but yet you have to preach them. And it brings, you know, correction and direction, uh, well, correction, rather, we should say. You step on people's toes. Uh, you know, if, if a pastor's never doing that, never stepping on any, I'm, I'm talking about never stepping on anybody's toes. I have to question whether, well, I don't, I don't have to question. I'll just tell you that guy hasn't been sent or that lady hasn't been sent from the presence of God. Okay. So if, 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 if you can sit in a church and you've got things going on in your life that ought to be there and the pastor's never I don't mean that he calls you out personally and embarrasses you. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about, and, and he and, and he shouldn't do that. You know, we're not talking about that, but in his messages, there's never, he never gets over on your toes with the word of God. Then, hey, you're not, you're not, that's, you're not in the right church. And that guy's not from the presence of God because a man of God, yes, will primarily preach, you know, positive, good, uplifting messages. But if there's never any any messages that bring correction to you, then that, that's, that's just outside of God's method of operation, okay? Now, I know that that sounds a little bold and a little blunt, but it's just, it's just the truth, okay? So I wanted, to, I wanted to tell you that. But you need to realize that God corrects and moves in, in this chastening process through ministers. And, and, and you'll go into a church service. You'll sit there and he'll teach and just teaching the word to the congregation at large. But, but, you know, and nobody else even knows what's going on a lot of times. Pastor, you know, I, I've preached so many messages over the years that people come to me as I'm greeting at the door and they'll say, Pastor, you sure stepped on my toes today with the word of God. And I didn't, I had no clue I was stepping on anybody's toes. I was just up there teaching the word of God. But see, that's how God will move. He'll move through a, a pastor, you know, to, to, to bring correction into your life. Okay. And it's for your good. And, and the thing that amazes me, you know, people over the years, they just get mad as a wet hearted at me sometimes. For, and I didn't even know what was going on in their life. And I'm just up there teaching the word of God. And they, they come to the door. And they're, just, they're just, I mean, they're just, they just almost want to beat the tar out of me. And, and I, all I did was teach the word of God. But it, 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 
stepping on their toes. But see, that's how God operates. And we just read it in Hebrews when that happens, you know. Now, I'm not talking about a pastor standing up there beating a congregation over the head every week. You know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just standing up there teaching the word of God. People will sometimes they'll get so angry and so mad. And sometimes they get so mad they want to even come back. And I didn't even know I was just up there teaching the Bible. But what they don't realize is this is one of God's methods of trying to help them. To try to try to get them back on track, and and you need to realize. See, it, it, we read that scripture at the beginning. My people don't know the judgment of the Lord, and so you need to know that one way that God will chasten you is through a pastor, a minister, teacher. Teach just teaching. I'm talking about just teaching the Word of God. The Word of God starts stepping on your toes. You need to realize that God operates that way, okay? You need to know that. And I've, I've said this for years, you know, uh, you know, if, if the Lord Jesus, through the word of God, through a minister, steps on your toes, you know, he, you know, if you'll repent, then he'll turn right around, heal those toes, okay? But you need to be aware of, you know, how this process works. You know, when you miss it, oh, there's that, that c- conviction of your heart. And if you don't listen to that, then God will move with his word, he'll move with his spirit, he'll move with a with a with a good minister that'll that not talking about embarrassing you publicly, just talking about teaching the word of God, but God will move. See, you don't want to be uh unlearned of, of how God operates in judgment. He'll move through a minister to to speak things in your life that that will sometimes you know step on your toes and, and make you a little uncomfortable. But it it's not to put you down. It's for you to you to you know for you to repent and uh, and 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 so that you as we just read that you can be a partaker of his holiness you see and then we'll go a little further there could be times where you know we talked about just a pastor preaching general messages but there could be a time where I mean if you don't listen to that then God could have a have a a pastor or a, you know somebody like that pull you aside privately you know and 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 talk to you uh, and that could happen you know again private notice i said privately uh there there's uh, some occasions here that that we'll get to as we go where some things happen publicly in a church service <laughs> they were pretty extreme things we'll get to them uh but but that's that's the exception and not the rule most all of this stuff takes place privately. But, you know, we'll see as we go where God would at times send a, a minister, a preacher a, 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 to a person that was that was in sin and that had things going on that was, if that person continued on that path, that that person was, it was going to hurt them tremendously. And God would speak to uh, one of his ministers, one of his servants to go to that person and talk to them and and talk to them about the thing that was in their life that shouldn't be there to so that they that they would have time to straighten it up and get it right so that you know destruction wouldn't come to them see so you need to and we'll look at some of these here as we go but you need to realize that that these things we're talking about God has your best intention in mind okay so that's how God 
typically chastens. And so we, we just went through that. Now, having said that, hey, right here, let's look at, at an example where God sent one of his, one of his, in this case, a prophet to somebody that needed, that, that they'd missed it. And they needed some help and it would be King David. All right. Remember King David? Now, um, now he was a man after God's own heart. He loved the Lord, the great psalmist of Israel, you know. Okay. But David missed it. Okay. He, he missed it and, uh, he, he committed adultery. And on top of that, he, uh, he, he covered it up for, I don't know, almost a year, give or take. And, uh, long story short, God in his great mercy, cause, cause, cause I, I have to believe just from studying God's method of operation and judgment that God was dealing with David and dealing with him and dealing with him, you know, just on the inside, like God would deal with all of us. And it, it's apparent to me, it's clear that David wasn't repenting. Okay. And so God sent Nathan the prophet out of God's great goodness. <clears throat> Excuse me. God's great goodness. God's a good God. <clears throat> God in his great goodness. Excuse me. God in his great goodness saw that David, something bad was laying ahead for him and that he needed to repent. And God in his great goodness sent Nathan the prophet to him to help him. Because David wasn't making the correction as he should. He'd committed adultery. And then he had the lady that he committed adultery with. He had this man who was a loyal soldier to David. He had him put, he had him, he put him on the front lines in a battle and, and he was, and he was killed. And so David not only committed adultery, but he was an accessor, accessory to murder. He had, he, he was murderer. And he wasn't repenting. And God spoke to Nathan, the prophet, to go over. And talk to David. I just, the goodness of God, it's just, God's very good. He's very, very good. That's why I'm weeping. The goodness of God. You see God's great goodness and mercy. <clears throat> and he sent Nathan the prophet over to David privately. It's a private thing. And uh, this is in 2 Samuel chapter 12. 2 Samuel chapter 12. In verse 1, Then the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said to him, and then, of course, he, he, he said some things, and what he did was he uh, gave him a, a, a parable, if you will. He Talked to him about the little ewe lamb, and you can read all of that. And then in verse 9, he says, Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? See, David knew the commandment of the Lord. See, there was the word of God in operation chastening David. 
David wasn't repenting. He says, why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite, that was Bathsheba's husband, with the sword. See, he put him on the front line. David didn't kill him directly himself, it was indirectly, he put him on the front line of battle. And you've taken his wife to be your wife. And finally, in verse 13, David says to Nathan the prophet, he says, I have sinned against the Lord. See, he, you know, and notice he didn't make excuse. He didn't try to lay the blame off on somebody else. He said to Nathan, and, and he said to the Lord, he said, I have sinned against the Lord. Do you see the chastening process of the Lord in operation here? It's clear to me that, that you know, God had dealt with David and he knew the commandment of the Lord and, 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 and he, he despised it. He wasn't, he despised it. He wasn't repenting. And so God sent Nathan over to him and pointed out his sin in a private setting. And he said, I've sinned against the Lord, David did. And Nathan said to David, the Lord has put away your sin. The Lord forgave him. Upon repentance, upon repentance, David was forgiven. And then this next thing, you need to listen to it because sometimes it gets passed over. When this story is read, he says, the Lord has put away your sin and you shall not die. Think about that. And you now Nathan said to David, and you shall not die. Think about that. You see the goodness of the Lord here. David had committed adultery. He, he had committed murder. And it's it, it, if, if God hadn't moved here with Nathan, David was going to die. Now, I don't believe for one second he was going to go to hell. I, I don't believe that he was, he, he, he was a saved individual. But he was going to die well before his time. And... Uh, and he, and he was headed for death. But God in his great mercy, in his great love, sent Nathan over to talk to David. Now, you see, when God did that, it, you know, David didn't want to despise that. Remember, despise not the chastening of the Lord. Or get angry or upset when a, when a minister does something like this in a good and a right way, like Nathan did. David didn't despise it, but he repented. But if God hadn't sent Nathan over there, and if David hadn't have repented, the Bible says right here that he was going to die. So you see the the, the the judgment of the Lord here was this chastening process on David, one of his servants, a man after his own heart, who had missed it. 
And God in his great mercy reached out and helped David through this chastening process. And David repented and he got back on track and he didn't die. He was forgiven. God forgave him and he was able to live out the rest of his life. Now I will say this as I close for today. Though David repented and though he didn't die right here, he lived out his life. If you study the rest of David's life, his sinful behavior did did cost him. It brought a lot of problems into his life and into his family's life. The wages of sin is death. I mean, there is... What what I mean by that is what the Bible means by that it brings it it it, it does it we'll say it this way it causes lots of problems and it did cause a lot of problems in David's life and in his family's life and that child that that you know when David had committed adultery with Bathsheba you read on in the next verse here verse fourteen the child that was born to him and Bathsheba it, it, the child did die. And and I frankly just, I can't explain all the reasons for that. But but I will say that later on, you know, David and Bathsheba, they they had Solomon, who was a great king. But, you know, sin is not to be made light of or joked about. But when we miss it, let's judge ourselves. But if we won't judge ourselves, then God will step in. And he'll begin to deal with us through his word, by his spirit, and even through a minister of the gospel, just in a general church setting, just teaching the word and and. If necessary, you know, God could do like what he did with David here, send a minister, send a pastor, pull somebody aside and talk to him. But it's God's method of operation and judgment and chastening. And we see his great goodness and his great mercy because we see it right here with David. David repented. And uh, he was forgiven, and he didn't die right here. He got to live out his life, and and a lot of good things happened. Uh, A lot of good things happened also in the rest of his life. So, hey, anyway, I think it's a good time to stop right here. Um, I was hoping to get a little further than this, but we're being led by the Lord. And so we'll pick up right here next week. I'll give you a few more examples how God uh, deals with his people in judgment and in chastening. And uh, I got some good examples. I think this one with David was a good example, but I have some others. And we'll just, again, see God's method of operation and how he judges or how he chastens his, his, his people. I think you'll find it very interesting. Hey, I hope you learned something today. Um, I love each and every one of you. I really, really do. It's, it, it's, it's an honor for me to be able to Uh, sit here and share God's holy word with you. So uh, thanks for listening.
And uh, we'll see you again right here on uh, on Wednesday when I continue my uh, series on the end times. Okay, God bless you. Stay safe. And uh, we'll see you soon. Okay, bye-bye.